live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's Opera Box Score. I'm your host, George Cedarquist. Joined this week on America's Talk radio show about opera by Oliver Camacho, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Ashley Hardgrave. All right, on the show this week, a recent article in The Guardian argues that opera companies have been essential in making the return of live entertainment possible in the UK. We'll sound off as to how far that assessment might apply to opera in the US. And then, with all the madness of the past week, we figured you might want a calm me down playlist. Here are recommendations on arias that'll get you raging and then bring you back down peacefully. Plus, two-minute drill, one of the original Barry Hunks gives up his leather pants, and there's lots more opera headlines and our team's hot takes on those. we got a full house tonight. Oliver Camacho sporting the baseball cap. So the vowel in Barry Hunks is the I that's uh, like the, the, the capital, capital I. I. Yeah, not the short I. So Barry. I know, eh, but but that okay. made me think eh, of the HBO show <laughs> Barry, which I just started watching and which is hilarious. <laughs> Highly recommend. The guy that without the eyebrows. No, the guy without the eyebrows. I love him so much. The guy without uh, the eyebrows. Do you mean yeah. Henry Henry The guy Winkler? without the eyebrows. Does he not no. have eyebrows? No, the the um the Russian. Oh, uh, I I know who you're talking about. Oh, Hank, Hank, no, ho, Hank, yeah, Hank. Oh my God, he's the I best part. He's so Hank. funny. <laughs> the rest of my team, of course, has introduced themselves already. <laughs> uh, Ashley, you had a little sports nugget to share. I did. Uh, you know, the Bears lost this week, but in a surprise turn of events for everyone, my beloved home state, the Arkansas Razorbacks, won their game against Mississippi State. So for the seven of you who know what that means, woo pig suey. Yes. <laughs> that is definitely not something that I know what it means. And in the Lone Star State, the Houston Texans fire Bill O'Brien. You know there's going to be a problem when your head coach is also your general manager. That was compounded by the Texans starting the year 0-4, so clearly it was time for a change in Houston. I'm sure the Cowboys fans up in Dallas are licking their palms with excitement over the destruction of the team from down south. I, Last week, I wanted to say before no. we talk some opera that by this time next week we will have a new female French Open champion. None of the current uh, former champions uh, have made it in the draw so far uh, uh, and Serena Williams has pulled out with an Achilles injury ooh, but we did it. get the good news that both Roger Federer and Serena Williams will compete in the Australian Open the first Grand Slam of 2021 so that's something to look forward to besides the end of COVID <laughs> definitely looking forward to <laughs> those some, are the big two Dennis all right let's talk some opera Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score Last week, Vanessa Thorpe wrote in the London Guardian that, quote, Britain's small-scale opera companies have become surprise cultural crusaders this autumn. From urban drive-ins to remote rural settings, it is the most traditional of art forms that has so far had greatest success in bringing back live entertainment, while big theaters, concert halls, and rock stadiums remain mostly dark. On Opera Box Girl, we're going to try and break that down and apply it to the U.S. West, and I want to start with you. Mm-hmm. Give us your take and set the scene as to 
how far behind the U.S. is in the COVID counterattack and what sort of a frame that puts on the live arts here. Well, the uh, the first thing that jumped out to me uh, was the use of the past tense in the Guardian headline, uh, <laughs> which is, ooh, uh, if only that were me. Normally, um, you just get that from Republican presidential candidates. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Phenomenal. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Uh, so um, basically, the, the argument in this article is that in, uh, in Britain especially, um, there has not been a lot of uh, return of a lot of art forms, but because of the way uh, uh, European opera and British opera in general are sort of, you know, uh, uh, constructed, especially with summer festivals out in the country where social distancing is easy and outdoor performances are very feasible. Um, obviously, there are some advantages there, but we do also see opera kind of uh, opening up in other places as well, although we are seeing, you know, crackdowns every so often when when things get a little out of hand with uh, in terms of the pandemic there, too. Um, obviously, the U.S., has a couple of fundamental disadvantages. One is gesture out towards everything. Um, we are, you know, not doing well compared to most countries. That's just true. Um, but we also have another issue in terms of how uh, how how opera houses that want to uh, or would otherwise be uh, willing to. Um, uh, do uh, try something out in uh, in Europe for uh, in in say Vienna for example in in Salzburg they were able to uh, at, the, at the at the festival they were able to um, make sure they tested people every day they did not need to uh, break as even on in terms of the amount of people seeing each performance they even had like. Um, uh, personalized tickets that had your name on them. You had to show an ID to come in so they could do contact tracing really easily right. if necessary, yeah. which I don't think is going to go over well with a large segment of the U.S. population. No uh, cute conspiracy theories here. Oh, no. And, and these are all disadvantages that I don't think that U.S. opera can overcome by itself. And, and on um, top of that, Weston, the, the companies in in Europe and Austria in particular, have way, way more governmental support, way more funding in order to be able so to much more. invest in that kind of infrastructure, whereas U.S. companies are way more at the mercy of not only ticket sales, but also donations. And neither of those can really happen right now in the way that in the way that companies are used to being able to rely on. Um, and even that was becoming like kind of unsustainable in the long term. So it's, it's one of those things where... Uh, it, obviously, it can cost a lot of money, but there are other ways to do things that aren't necessarily that expensive. I, I, I read um, an article. I can't remember when or who wrote it. I want to say it was New York Times. I want to say it was a couple weeks ago um, that suggested that, um, you know, uh, the Met is right there next to Central Park. Why not put on a performance in the park? Give your uh, artists some work. That doesn't agree. cost that much money. And, you and know, they there was used a... to do it. It's not like a brand right. new idea. Exactly. Right. And they wouldn't have to go full scale with it. Um, then there are even like some uh, uh, some opera companies. Uh, I, I forget which article I read uh, for this week, but um, one of the companies, I believe in Austria... Um, actually did a performance in like a parking garage, you know, that these are things that are don't cost that much. 
and in a time when people are really starving for it. So my kind of question is, why are big houses in the U.S. so quiet on the innovation side of things? Exactly. Well, Ashley, what do you think about that? Why are the big houses over here just sitting on their hands? Uh, great question. Um, I'm going to open with a joke and then I'm going to answer it. Um, I mocked the Maria Callas hologram that made its way through the world, but <laughs> damn it, if that doesn't seem like the safest option for opera at the moment, <laughs> bring back the hologram. Okay. Anyway, uh, your question was why are American houses so seemingly silent? Um, the A houses rather. I, I think it's honestly, they haven't had to be scrappy. At the very least, they haven't had to be as scrappy as storefront, as smaller market opera companies. And now is kind of the time when scrappy shines because they've had to be resourceful, resourceful, excuse me, they've done been resourceful for a long time and made a lot of stuff out of a very meager budget and a very meager staff. And like was mentioned before, you know, the U.S. doesn't rely on things like government funding to fill in gaps. So these A houses that are used to this very specific model of how they've been doing it for years and years and years. They don't have right now. They're not going to have for a while. And so I think it kind of immobilizes them from from that panic. And so now we've got these smaller companies that are coming out with this really amazing stuff, you know, and, and it used to be kind of chided for being non-traditional, but now it's going to be applauded for its for its creativity, you know. And I think about this like we're not getting out of this anytime soon. Certainly not in America. We're going to be some of the last folks to come back as, as you know, post pandemic, uh, you know, we just can't do the things the way that we used to do them. Uh, and so the, the folks that will, that will make it through are those folks that have been, um, uh, like you were going to say, uh, like you were, I'm sure going to say, George, the folks that are, that are young and scrappy and hungry to quote Hamilton, uh, are probably going to survive the best. Well, I'll certainly sound off in one second. Ashley, what's your sports comparison for the innovation that we need right now in American opera? Uh, you know, I like to take it back to a little guy named Billy Bean. Uh, and hopefully everybody in the room knows who Billy Bean is. I was really proud when I made this connection in my head. So Billy Bean, uh, he's the guy who is the subject of the film Moneyball. By the way, it's a great film. Uh, so he was uh, a major league baseball player. And then he ended up in the front office for uh, the Oakland A's and was a scout for them. He, he didn't have the tools to recruit in the traditional way and he was mocked mercilessly for it because he couldn't do what the big guys could do but what he did is he took what he had and he turned scouting on its head he completely changed the game and he built this really incredible ensemble of folks based on that limited resource he understood that you have to adapt or die you have to find value where there traditionally isn't any i mean i guess my question is can we hire a billy bean for the opera world right now and see what he has to say about it <laughs> i think the billy bean of the opera world is actually george cedarquist might be <laughs> i i would not go that far to, to can, say that can we, Here's what I would before say. you do can we just make something like that's say something that's obvious one right. of the reasons why opera can in some ways come back is because of park and bark bring back the park and bark because you know you <laughs> just stand in one spot and sing that's what everybody wants to do <laughs> that's just social that's distancing or the Joan uh, Sutherland was doing it way before it was cool exactly. or like is it the Barry Kosky magic flute that has the, yeah. the animations yeah. where they just stand there and everything changes around yeah. them that one I mean everyone is going to be doing that production in 2021 okay I know George you're, you're champing at the bit but I just want to say the premise of the article is that opera is leading the way um, are there things that other art forms 
other performance forms uh, genres can adopt from what opera is doing. Mm. I mean, maybe like the way that they've brought in or they've changed the reconfiguration or they've reconfigured the house as like the Kennedy Center, for example, having like the backward stage and, you know, getting people in through the freight elevators and the idea of doing it in garages and et cetera. But um, is there other things that we're not thinking of that opera is actually giving ideas to other well, I, I think that where opera gets the leg up here is that if you compare it to other forms of live music, they all have something in common, right? Which is we want bodies in space to participate and enjoy it. Yeah. What sets opera apart is that it is a no narrative art form. A mosh pit would be amazing. It's a narrative <laughs> art form. And so we now have this ability to have to be forced to look for different ways to tell stories. And that narrative is what's going to carry the art form of opera through these uncertain and surreal times in a way that perhaps other live forms of just pure music may not have the ability. Further, George, which is that uh, in general, I know there are exceptions to this, but in general, opera is are all linked by the fact that it's an acoustic art form, uh, that it's supposed to be experienced without amplification, without uh, mechanical technology, uh, and in order to pr- produce opera at this point, you need to you need to uh, kind of face that head on with the fact that it's really not feasible. And in order to and if opera as an art form can take on those foundational kind of tenets of what they are and redefine them in, in the COVID era, that is how you I mean that that that's how the arts are going to change. Mm. All right, last call. I always cut people off, so I'm going to give you a last call. Whoever speaks next gets to say the final word. <laughs> Roll Tide! Roll Tide! Oh, come on! <laughs> come on! So unfair! <laughs> phenomenal. Woo pig. That was your final word was phenomenal. <laughs> All right, well, let us know what you are thinking about this. Well, you can email us, operaboxscore at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at operaboxscore. Coming up in a second, we're going to take you high. We're going to take you low, get you raged up, get you chilled out. It's Opera Box Score. In the tradition of visual albums like The Beatles' Yellow Submarine, Prince's Purple Rain, Pink Floyd's The Wall, and Beyonce's Black Is King, Future this friend December, of the show. <laughs> friend of the show, this Beyonce. De- <laughs> this friend December, show, bass yeah. Zachary James, definitely friend actual of friend of show, yeah, will Total debut friend. Call Out, a simultaneous visual and audio album of works composed by women. And I believe he he was uh, uh, he pitched that way way back at the beginning of the pandemic on our very show. He uh, pitched the you'd be the right program, about that. which was the Carnegie right. Hall recital for November, which is COVID. The video album callout is a reimagination of a recital program originally planned as a Carnegie Hall recital. The medium pushes classical vocal music more into the pop world, inviting the audience to experience the genre in a new way, says friend of the show, Zachary James. Bay of the show, the, more like it. <laughs> <laughs> the album Deep will Bay. feature new works by Kamala Sankram. Love her. Bonnie Montgomery. Ashley knows yes, her. Yes, Bonnie! Rachel, Rachel J. Peters. Renee Orth. Mm. Juliana Hall. Ooh, I love Paola Prestini. Missy Mazzoli. Persis Vehar. And Kristen Hebner, as well as music by Barbara Strozzi and oh, Florence Price. Babs! I love Babs. 
as as uh, historians refer to her. Zachary James is joined on the album by pianist Charity Wicks. It's a great name. Cellist cellist Jeffrey Ziegler, theorbo player Brandon Acker, steel guitarist Kevin Skurla, guitarist Frederick Paholik, and vocalist Megan Nielsen. We look, stand a combo. Look, what can I say? Look for the album's digital release on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, and Pandora. Pandora. Is anybody using Pandora? It's not the jewelry store. It's the internet radio. (laughs) This December. It's not the box that that releases all the terrible things in the world. Although that would explain 2020 very well. We open that sometime in January 2020. That's why we're here. Call out this December 2020. Time for OBS. Just the tips. It's Opera Box Score. Thanks for hanging out with us wherever you are, however you are. Operaboxscore.com is our website. You can check out all the links from the show wherever and wherever you're listening. The Heat and the Lakers in the NBA Finals, so predictable. I, for one, am not watching. (laughs) Ashley Hardgrave, what have you been listening to Uh, in these bizarre times? Uh, let me tell you what I'm listening to. Uh, my primal screams into my pillow at two o'clock or so every morning. Uh, it's uh, it's it's been a hard time out there uh, for anyone. Uh, the tumultuous events of the past week have put all of us on edge. We've got that uh, that global pandemic that no one's talking about. We got some civil unrest. <laughs> if you're an American, you know we got five more weeks of this election insanity. I don't know about you, but I could use a break. And so my gents and I here at OBS wanted to create a little playlist. We're going to recognize the rage, but then we're going to oomph the ohm and boost the bliss. How's that for alliteration? <laughs> that was phenomenal. I want, HSN, I want this, yeah. I want this calling, playlist. They, are, they want you to pitch your own show. Ooh. Oh, if you don't think I wouldn't be on QVC in a heartbeat. Uh, anyway, so. Here's, here's what I posited to the team. Each member of the team is going to offer up a piece that addresses the times perhaps the rage, uh, and another that soothes and calms. Uh, then we're going to take them, we're going to put them into a playlist on Spotify with some surprises that you won't hear on the show so that you can tune in and tune out. Um, let's start with Matt. Matt, what is your rage, Aria? Okay, so does anyone these days still listen to the opera Medea? Or is it just me? The Cherubini? The Cherubini, yeah. I- I really think it's just you, but go on. Okay, I'm so it's, it's, got like three, it's, got, it's got like three thousand plays it's on got, Spotify, and they're all Matt. It, it's all they're all yes. me, and it is full of bops. This is going to be a candidate for an under further review in the future. Mark it here. Ooh. You heard it here first. Um, I think part of the reason why no one really res- really thinks that highly of this opera is because it's kind of seen as a diva vehicle, um, particularly because the person who did it the most in the twentieth century is the one and only Maria Callas, um, and I think that she makes a really good case for the work in my selection, which is a clip from the final scene uh, where she, where Medea has been betrayed by her husband, Jason, and gone into the temple, killed her children, and then the temple burns down. That is a finale, first of all. Um, and I think that part of the reason why this work never really took is that it was it's always been performed in some sort of bastardized hybrid of like the French that was translated into German that was translated into Italian with new with new recitatives written like kind of like Carmen but but without being a hit. Um <laughs> but this scene is a tour de force 
and it is visceral and it evo- evokes that feeling of utter betrayal and the rage and frustration that definitely come with that kind of desperation. Let's listen to Maria Callas from uh, 1959 in Covent Garden. <laughs> some spice something <laughs> that is a woman that... who has experienced some scorn she put the stank <laughs> on that one yeah that is a woman who has watched a lot of conservative news in her day i know i was gonna <laughs> say if like i wish i could think of some parallels about feeling totally enraged by people who are supposed to be able to be relied on acting selfishly and ruining your lives <laughs> exactly exactly and so to dovetail onto that i'm gonna throw in my selection for a rage aria it's a little bit basic because it's mozart but stay with me stay with me i chose or psyche lenori which is donanna's aria from don giovanni so this okay listen it is a beautiful scream fest start <laughs> to finish donanna she's ready for revenge and she is gonna sing about it we're talking the context the text her music for that expression of rage. I mean, think about it. Like the whole, you know, the whole point of the aria is like, you know who killed my father? If you're ever weakening in your rage, you just remember his wounds. If that's not accurate during COVID times, or to be quite fair, the US administration in general, like I don't know what is. So my revenge is going to come in November. By the way, register to vote. I'll say it seven times in this episode. Uh, (laughs) But I will be blasting this full on until then. And so the one that I have chosen uh, is Carol Vaness, London Phil, 1984, Don Giovanni's or Psyche Lenore, Don Nazaria, DJ Roll Tide, take it away. <laughs> Tide. Roll Tide indeed. I dare you. I think that's, that's our new, tide. That's our new uh, slogan, Opera Box Score Roll Tide. <laughs> opera Box Score oh, Roll Tide. over my dead body. I, Absolutely I, I'm the, not. I'm the one who's editing. I can do what I want, George. 
I, I dare you to listen to either of those arias you. without doing some sort of like operatic rage claw. Like the like both those <laughs> those are like overhand witch claw, not like underhand baritone claw. But <laughs> I mean, your choice. I, I'll be I'll be slamming white claws and crushing them <laughs> on my forehead while I listen to those. Uh, let's see. You know what? Even though he did say "Roll Tide" way too many times for my liking, Weston, what would be your selection for a rage aria? Um, well, I've been on a real uh, Prokofiev kick lately, as we all get into sometimes. Sure. Uh, and, you mean just lately, uh, or? I mean, 24-7. Like, okay, <laughs> middle school me, my angsty, like, phase music was, like, Prokofiev, uh, early Shostakovich, you know, just, like, just headbanging. I was a really cool kid in, in <laughs> the words, The words painfully on brand come to mind. <laughs> I just see like black lipstick emo Weston in the corner with this Prokofiev of albums. It's oh god, it's so precious. It was a time. Life. I love it. It was a time. It really resonated with me then, and you know what? Here in 2020, it resonates again. I will not apologize for that. Checks out. So uh, my my selection is the finale of the uh, of the highly underrated opera, The Fiery Angel. Uh, which has a, just an absurd storyline. It's melodramatic. There's demon possessions. There's someone executed at a, at a stake. It doesn't really matter. All, all you really have to know is that basically the final scene is just kind of the opera collapsing in on itself as a bunch of nuns just start chanting satanic stuff because they're all possessed and uh, an inquisitor is ordering someone to the stake to be burned. It's this is the vibe for 2020, if nothing else is. <laughs> well, you're going to play a little for us right now, aren't you? Oh, oh absolutely. This is uh, from the uh, uh, Nimi Yervi uh, recording. Uh, it's got Kurt Moll singing in it in this one scene. It's it, it's a delight. Just Just listen to it and just vibe. That 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 no, rage. I'm vibe. amped. I am amped I like I have never been before. F- I do feel like flipping a table. Like I do. I feel like flipping a table. Um, I can always count on Oliver to class up the joint. So Oliver, in the closing of our rage section, why don't you give us your recommendation? Well, few eras in opera dealt with rage better than opera seria. And you can find several rage arias usually in every single opera seria. And there's just so much to choose from. And I'm glad that we're doing this bit so that I have a chance to 
play something that I think is just so great, but I have no idea where else it would go in my life or to talk about. And that is from this CD. This is this called the CD, Young People. Oh. oh. This is the, where oh. music is stored, you know? <laughs> that stands for a, time, a compact disc. Is that <laughs> yes. right? Compact disc? This is okay. Sandrine Pio's uh, opera seria album of Handel Arias. And we're just going to listen to a little bit of the first one. Uh, this is Scoglio di Motta Fronte, which is very similar in text to Fiordaligi's Come Scoglio. And if you've been listening to Opera Now, my other podcast, you know that um, I've said this many times that Mozart in Così Fan Tutte gives Fiordaligi opera seria moments. And mm-hmm. nothing could be closer to Come Scoglio than this aria. And Sandrine Pio slaps when she sings this i mean it is all about articulation it's all about speed and when i'm mad i want fastly articulated coloratura (laughs) don't we all So the other aria we wanted to play for my Rage playlist was also by Handel. Uh, it's the uh, Rage aria from the cantata Lucrezia. And there's mm. an amazing new recording uh, with Lea Desandre singing with uh, Emmanuel Haim and her Le Concert d'Astre. It's so, so good. I, I know that, that exact recording. It's yeah, so I good. I want to put this on uh, a Spotify playlist where all of you are going to have two playlists, the Rage list and the, uh, we're going to call it the Peace list. I'm not sure what we're going to call it. What about you, <laughs> Ashley? Do you have any other things you uh, want to add to Rage? You know, it's um, it's a little bit of a shift um, because once you rage, you're going through the process of your emotions. And for me, the next thing after rage is despair. And sometimes you just need a good open mouth sob cry to just like <laughs> let it all out. Um, yes, yes. This is how I process emotions. Mama's been to therapy. So I recommend that all of you give it a good cry once you've been super mad about something. Um, so for me, the piece that if we're talking about classical music, the piece that always gets me right in the feelings, rips my heart out, shows it to me and makes me like it uh, is Barber's On You Stay, which is the choral arrangement of his adagio for strings. Um, mm. There's a really great, I mean, pretty much any recording you find has an ensemble that's, you know, good enough to do it. But there's one that's, uh, what's the name? New College of London, uh, New Col- Choir of New College Oxford. That recording 
guts my soul every time. And if I need to feel some feelings and get them out of my body, I play that. I lay starfish face down and I just cry and I let it happen. So it's not rage. It's despair. But I think it fits. It's in the rage umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. There. Anybody else have additions for the rage before we move on to to peace? I mean, I don't. Th- I don't think you can talk about rage if you don't have at least one Verdi mezzo aria on there. And for me, the one that like Go really on. takes the cake has to be Abelis aria Odon Fatale, which starts with an explosion and like somehow manages to up the ante from there. <laughs> <laughs> Which which Schnitka piece do you have waiting for us? Oh, Uh, I you know, I I I hate that you knew it was Schnitka. I I mean, (laughs) honestly, I'm going to submit uh, to you after this episode is over, Oliver, just like seven or eight Schnitka pieces, and I know you're only going to pick one or two of them. So I guess that's up to you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, by the way, Schnitka piece is going to be my new stage name. I'm just putting it out there (laughs) right now. It could be your new Zoom name at least for today. So. Isn't that Shit that show that just won all the Emmys? <laughs> yes, yes. Catherine O'Hare is amazing. I love her in that show. Um, all right. We've raged. We've felt our feelings. It's time for calm. We're looking for pieces that calm us down. And I'm going to switch up the order this time to keep you on your toes. Wes, uh, what do you use to calm down? Uh, well, uh, this is a, an interesting question for me because, I, first of all, I need to say that nothing infuriates me more than those, like, calming classical music playlists. You know what I mean? Yes! Uh, they're I, awful! I, they're so we're going to get to calm, bad. but first, a rant. But first, a rant. <laughs> I mean, I, literally, this was like, uh, I, I want to say three or four days ago, I, I, I found one. It like popped up in my recommendations, which I found insulting. Um, it was from a calming classical, calming Russian classical music playlist. Uh, and it was a movement from Shostakovich's Eighth String Quartet, which is the one that he wrote uh, when he was feeling suicidal. It's incredibly stressful. It's it's really, really a hard listen. Like, I had to take breaks for a couple months between. And ugh. anyway, that's my rant over. But uh, along those lines, when I think of calming things... I tend to look outside of my usual sort of oeuvre um, because I think that a lot of opera particularly is very um, dramatic and there's a lot of inherent tension in that, literally, musically often. Um, But but I was like, well, what do I listen to when I want to feel something a little bit more divorced from that tension, that that feeling of sort of, ugh, that we feel all the time here in 2020. And <laughs> I immediately thought of the music of Arvo Pert. Uh, and specifically, I, I want to play a little bit of uh, Little More Tractus, which is a choral piece uh, with organ. Um, and it's it's not without harmonic tension in it, but it's but it's got like this sort of yearning tension to it that's present present in really all of his works. Um, it really kind of senses something beyond the conflict and unpleasantness of the material world, and it's just a, an extraordinary piece. Let's hear just a a little bit of it right now.
tell you what, that's better than Enya. <laughs> you can always you can always tell that it's paired, and and yet somehow each one is unique. Yeah, absolutely. I I, the, uh, I have a very very short history of uh, choral singing, but the the number one piece that uh, that I most loved singing was uh, um, a paired piece. I believe is the the Beatitudes, and I just that that's that's the one that always gets stuck. It's just there's something about his music that's so minimalist, but in such a in a pure way. It just it, it feels like rain, you know, and it's it's just the right sort of feeling we need to get us through at least until November. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I'll go next. So again, I know I'm going a little bit basic when it comes to the opera world, but like, seriously, once I tell you which one this is, fight me on the amount of Zen that you feel when (laughs) this is over with. Um, if we're going back to our, our, our buddy Mozart and our friends at Cosi Fantute, let's talk about the trio. Suave Vento. Look, it's low-hanging fruit. Yes. Yes. Another Mozart. Yes. But this soothing factor, you can't, you can't deny it. You know, I mean, if you want to listen to the Italian text, fine. It's up to you. If you want to fully tune it out, just listen to that good old-fashioned Mozart, just that right amount of tension, release, and what I like to call complex simplicity. Mm. For me, this is three minutes of peace. By the time you get to that final resolution, I bet you 20 bucks that your shoulders have lowered from your ears, your forehead has softened, and in that moment, I guarantee that you will feel a little more at peace with the world. We will listen to a little bit right here. This is Corinne Winters, Angela Brower, Johannes Martin Krenzel from the Royal Opera House in 2019. I mean, come on. Don't you feel so much better? Don't you want to, like, call someone you care about now? <laughs> I'm calling my mom right now. Goodbye, everyone. I want to go next because I feel like Mozart has a lot of music um, that makes you feel peaceful. Uh, I think Zephyretti, uh, Ilia's aria from Idomeneo is a great example. Yes. Well, uh, all of her music, yes. really. Um, but main, I think the, the aria that is really like a rhapsody on like meditative piece is the et incarnatus est from the great mass in C minor. And I'm going to put in our Spotify peace playlist or our ohm playlist, uh, Arlene Auger singing that, which is a woman with a, with three lungs who just makes those phrases. So 
I mean, they're so difficult, these phrases, but she makes it sound like they're a piece of cake and uh, definitely one of my favorites. But what I want to play right now is actually a lead or a song by Schubert. And there was a time in my life where I knew Schubert's biography so well that I could tell you that like it was 1821 and he was like <laughs> suffering from syphilis and he probably had just, you know, uh, experienced a suicide of a friend, something like that. There was all sorts of terrible crap happening in his life. And uh, yeah, he was bedridden and he was sick and he penned this song. I mean, he didn't write the text, but the text really resonated with him. Uh, the idea of escape in dreams. This is one of my favorite leader singers of all time. We're going to listen to a live performance from a recital in 2019 uh, in Frankfurt. Uh, the song is Nacht und Träume. The singer is Christoph Pergardian and the pianist is Ulrich Eisenlohr. Those are some long phrases. Speaking but of the thing is that he's and just like and with Benedict so Christianson, yeah, from from the um, Saint John Passion Align thing, Christoph Pergardian is willing to do something that you don't really do in front of audiences, which is barely sing. You know, like mm. this. Obviously, you can see from the video, it's a full house, so he has to make noise, but he's barely phonating. And it almost sounds like somebody singing from their bed, like struck with the measles or with, you know, whatever ailments people had syphilis you know, back then. So I don't know. I, Christopher Gideon was very, very vulnerable in that. And uh, he's almost like talking in the text. And I find it to be very touching. Yeah, that that gentle, that delicate simplicity that you find so much in, in really good leader singers. It's just, I mean, I know we love our powerhouse bombasts in opera a lot, but sometimes that subtlety is just, oh, it just touches your heart in a way that is necessary in times like these. And what you need. we are going to finish where we started with my buddy Matt Cummings. Matt, how do you calm down? How do you chill? How do you zen? So I, my selection for this is... Um, 
similarly on brand to you all in that I was looking for something that was like a dramaturgical example of calm. Uh, and that for me is the uh, Ave Maria aria from Verdi's Otello in Act 4. And I think that that is one of the absolute best acts in all of opera in terms of how it builds the tension and then releases it almost all the way, only for it to like come all the way back at the end of this piece. And this prayer is a little oasis for Desdemona between the Willow Song and the duet where she ends up dying, where she ends up being killed. Um, and the melody is so simple. It sounds almost like church music that he stole. Uh, but there, And even though there were a few pla- ch- uh, places where she gets a chance to take off, it's really a showcase for legato, purity of tone, and simplicity. Uh, and so I've chosen Kiritikanawa's version of the of the Ave Maria. And this for me is like the musical manifestation of mindfulness because of the interaction between you as the audience watching the scene, knowing what's about to happen, knowing what just happens, but you you can't help but be swept away by at by your empathy at this character and this heartfelt plea. And it's just an amazing moment of clarity. And when you are at this opera in the theater, which God willing, we will be all eventually sooner rather than later, you can hear a pin drop at the end of the Ave Maria. So let's let's have our let's have our our Dame Kiri take us home. about you guys but i feel a lot better <laughs> well, i'm so we've glad got we the can help you out coming Ashley. up next so i'm sure there'll be something to rile us up now don't worry two minute drill is gonna um <laughs> upset your your apple cart probably of course everything that you've heard on the show uh, available through spotify through the show notes in this podcast and we'll put that on our website as well when i need to calm down i need to get silly that's what really does it for me. And I'm such a huge Gilbert and Sullivan fan. Something like <laughs> I am the very model of a modern major general would be so calming mm. and relaxing. Mm. Funnily enough, I think that's on most people's rage lists. <laughs> All right. Operaboxscore.com is the website. Operaboxscore, gmail.com. Let us know what's on your calm list and your rage list. This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in Opera Land this week. Famed Polish baritone Mariusz Kowiczyn has announced that he will end his singing career due to ongoing health issues. Kowiczyn told the Polish media that he had undergone his first spinal surgery in New York, sustaining a slip disc injury during a performance of Mozart's Don Giovanni at the Metropolitan Opera House. 
a new collaboration between Austin Opera, the Dallas Opera, Fort Worth Opera, Houston Grand Opera, and Opera San Antonio has been announced. The Texas Opera Alliance's mission is to promote and diversify the operatic art form through production partnerships, audience building initiatives, and collaborative investments in new works, ensuring that opera continues to thrive in the Lone Star State. The Staatstheater Wiesbaden has announced new seating capacity in response to the pandemic. Exactly 298 spectators will be allowed into the big house, and up to 77 spectators will be allowed into the small house of the theater. The new plan has been arranged so that the minimal social distance of 1.5 meters is maintained at all times and in all directions. Wiesbaden previously cancelled the performances from September 25th through 27th, as they did not comply with the state requirements. We now have the first opera via iPhone. Eight songs from isolation, commissioned by conductor Oliver Zeffman, features songs of physical isolation by eight composers, among them Thomas Addis and Nico Muli. Members of the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields uh, performed with artists raising, ranging from Julia Bullock to friend of the show Yestin Davies. The film, directed by Billy Boyd, is available on Apple Music. Norwegian authorities have allegedly ordered American conductor James Gaffigan to leave the country by Monday. Gaffigan was accused of breaking COVID rules and will be separated from his Norwegian wife and child. In a tweet, Gaffigan wrote, quote, Well, I love this gorgeous country, Norway, but the immigration authorities want me out and I have to leave immediately. We thought staying together as a family was the right thing to do and they are separating us indefinitely, end quote. Police in Liverpool broke up an outdoor orchestra performance after concert goers watched in close, prox close proximity with complete disregard for COVID rules. Organizers of No Strings Attached at the Isla Gladstone Conservatory had advertised the event would be operating under, quote, strict COVID government guidelines and would present a combination of a traditional orchestra merging with a modern live hip-hop music event in which Dr. Dre's album 2001 would be performed. Police stepped in to close it down after crowds of several hundred people were reported. Concert organizers fined over 11,000 euro for the breach. The International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees has filed unfair labor practices against the Music Center at Strathmore after it laid off all part-time ticket sellers and half of their full-time sellers. Yahtzee claims this violates a tentative agreement between the union and Strathmore's management, said Yahtzee President Matthew D. Loeb. Quote, to my knowledge, they're the only unionized venue in the area to strip workers of their health care during the pandemic, and now they want to unfairly and illegally fire staff. Anna Netrebko is apparently out of the hospital after being treated for COVID-19. Per Instagram over the weekend, she posted photos out and about near Moscow with the caption, quote, Yes, I am healthy and free, sending you virtual kisses, open parentheses, and no, I am not go going to make photos with a mask, close parentheses, close quotation mark. A new Irish company is presenting Don Giovanni with augmented reality. The new Ulster Touring Opera's mission includes the use of augmented reality technology to bring opera into people's homes. The Augmented Reality Opera Project will allow viewers a new perspective into Don Giovanni's final moments through their smartphone or tablet. The future is now. Exit stage right, Romanian soprano Lucia Stanescu has died at the age of 94. She was one of the leading Madama Butterfly's inter Madama Butterfly interpreters of her generation. 
American conductor Richard Wojtek has died at the age of 84. A staff conductor at the Met until 1997, he collaborated with the likes of Beverly Sills, Jesse Norman, Marella Franey, and Judith Blagan. Also a well-known recital pianist, he collaborated with Teresa Stratus to record the unknown Kurt Weill. Serbian composer Isadora Zhebaljan has died at the age of 54. Zhebaljan was one of the most prominent Serbian contemporary composers of theater and film music, composing for over 30 productions around Europe. And on this day, October 5th, it was the first performance in Italian of Gluck's opera Orfeo ed Euridice in Vienna in 1762. In 1823, it was the birth of composer Vincenzo Battista in Naples. In 1908, the first performance of Victor Herbert's The Prima Donna in Chicago. In 1924, the birth of French-Tunisian baritone Matteo Managuera. In 1935, the birth of American soprano Arlene Saunders. In 1936, American baritone Robert Goodlow was born. And in 1962, it was the birth of American composer and Met vocal coach and pianist Ken Noda. And that is your two-minute drill. So that is Arlene Saunders in a live performance of Magic Flute uh, from the Royal Albert Hall. Maybe it was a concert. Royal Albert Hall in 1966. And earlier this year, Arlene Saunders died of COVID. Quick uh, fantasy football update before we get into the meat of the two-minute drill. That is the meat of the two-minute drill. Tobias Wright and I are now one and two, and we are on the verge of being at 500 after the uh, Packers presumably destroy the Falcons. We're recording the show on Monday, but the time you get to it on Wednesday, we'll see if I was right. 500 against the likes of the Opera Philadelphia crew. I'll take that. <laughs> Over to you, Matt Cummings. What are you just chopping at the? I bit mean, besides being the get off your chest. besides being the official reporter of the Anna Trebko Instagram, and I really thought the punctuation was important there. <laughs> you really to understand. You were, you were marvelous. You know, I took really out were. the emojis. If you can believe, you're it. right. There were there were kissy marks all over the place. I didn't try to do the first half of it. That was in Russian. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just don't get this this like bravado of I'm not going to make photos with masks. It's like you could you know what you could change the world if you if you actually took some photos with a mask on with all the yeah. followers that you have on a Netrebko. And I would say this to your face, you know, I don't say anything on this show that I wouldn't say to someone's face. It's like you could you could change the world for better. Oh, we should get Anna Trepko on the show and then just uh, have have her just yell at George the entire time. And then Ashley will yell at Anna. It's just going to be a really quality show. <laughs> What's it happens? It's like WWE SmackDown, OBS. Oh, absolutely. I, I just envisioned all of the folding chairs that I'll need to buy from Costco so that I have them like at the ready to do the smashing for the SmackDown. Does Costco sell folding chairs in like hundred packs the way they do with everything else? I, I would imagine so. Well, I'm actually, I'm in the natural state. Arkansas has Sam's Club. So oh, I'll check right. with the Waltons right. and see what they have. 
as long as we make sure that, you know, there's no one in the room with you to get hurt or infected with COVID, uh, which is my way to segue into the coolest idea I've ever heard, the Augmented Reality Opera Project. That just, <laughs> that is some... Uh, some Silicon Valley just goodness. You know what I mean? I mean, it's I- Ireland, so I guess whatever the equivalent of the Irish Silicon Valley is. Uh, I-, I wonder. But... It's somewhere in Dublin, <laughs> I think, behind a pub. <laughs> I-, I just really love the idea um, uh, whenever I... Uh, obviously, COVID has really brought out a lot of creativity, uh, not just in terms of like where you're going to put on your productions and social distancing and whatnot, but obviously in the online space. And we've talked about it before, how um, uh, how in many ways it almost feels like opera feels much more personal than it has in a long time because of this direct connection. And I, I and I really love the the idea of the augmented reality to sort of bridge the gap between, um, you know, that illusion of what the opera was but also having the person that just like the 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 personability of just being able to do it in your house eating a whole thing of popcorn uh and i i don't know uh i i doubt this will be like the most well executed i mean first attempts at these sorts of things often aren't especially augmented reality but well, you know there's there's like oculus rift there's all sorts of uh video game engines and things like that out there i would or love they to could see do what they thing. um they could do what the new york times did when they were run, when they were beta testing that augmented reality module where they mm. mailed out like box goggles to put your yes. phone into and then you could love hold that. it up as like a viewfinder it was I, Yes, I remember yeah. those and, and being totally confused. Can, as, as Weston, can that, you what? just explain what you how you think this is going to be like? I mean, I can mean, you speculate on what it's going to be like? Speculate? I'm not sure about this uh, specific um, uh, sort of endeavor, but I imagine it probably, there, there are many ways you could go about doing this. There's already lots of virtual reality stuff out there. Um, I think that some companies could look into some video game systems uh, as a possibility. Um, like the Oculus Rift, things like that, or like literally like printing out, you can literally like print out cardboard, order cardboard and put your phone into it. I've, I've tried that before. I did a game where you're falling uh, and you have to avoid hitting parts of a building as you fall down. And I did fall down and hurt myself in real life, which is a testament to how realistic it can be. Uh, and I, I, no, that's a testament to your idiocy. <laughs> you know, uh, little column A, little column B. Uh, who can say? So, but, I mean, just to be really, really, really explicit right. about it, we're imagining that maybe the designers are going to create like what it's like to be dragged into hell. And it's sort right. of like <laughs> video graphics where you put on this VR thing and you get to experience uh, the commentatory dragging uh, Don Giovanni into the underworld. I hope so. This is true, but everybody is made out of uh, cubes. <laughs> Everyone's made out of cubes, <laughs> and you can literally hurt yourself. That's just all. There, I there say. are no soft surfaces. Yeah. It's I, just, I yeah. also really enjoyed the fact that uh, we we got this story the same week as our iPhone opera. The, this opera um, um, was shot completely on iPhone, which is actually really impressive. I, I haven't been able to see the whole thing because I, I literally found out about it today going through the dock, and I, I I started downloading it, and I didn't have the bandwidth to finish it. Um, but I have seen parts of it, and the cinematography is really good. It's really nice, very intimate spaces, a, a wide range of works from a very sort of a, uh, stylistically diverse range of composers. 
Uh, I mean, the only thing that's surprising about it is how long it took to get to this point. You know, the latest iPhone shoots in 4K, so the quality <laughs> right. of the video was never going to be a problem. Well, how, how's the audio? On the it? audio is great. I think they uh, they recorded, uh, uh, at least from what I could tell, I believe they recorded the audio uh, separately. There was a mic- a professional yeah. mixer, producer, mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what we need uh, for productions like this. Uh, I think there's a temptation in the era of COVID, especially with smaller companies who maybe don't have the budget when they're doing digital content to just like say, it opera is unamplified. We're just kind of going for it. You know, it's happening. But you do have to take into account that what's happening live doesn't translate into these uh, earphones as well. You have to take that into account. And I think that um, there's a big sort of a debate going right now on right now, a lot of music schools where people uh, feel like they're not being taught what they need to succeed in a digital opera world, like uh, people aren't learning DAW programs uh, and things like that in, in music school. Uh, and it can be argued for or against, depending on what genre you're focusing on. But this is uh, a really good opportunity to sort of m- make that marriage really official and make it a part of the final product and not just a part of the recording of the final product, if that makes sense. Oliver, before I go to the final story, tell us about who is hanging up their Barry Hunk badge. You didn't this look really you learn nothing from the opening of the show, George. It's Barry Hunk. <laughs> Barry Hunk. That was that that was like fifty minutes ago. All right, and I want to get the show under. <laughs> so let's just let's just be clear that Mario's Kavichin plans to remain in the opera world. He's going to take on an admin job. I forgot it was already announced which one at Vroklauf, I think. Okay. Uh, however you say that. Sorry. But um, I don't want to be a show that spreads gossip, um, but there has been talk about Marius Kavichin's vocal decline and what it is due to. And mm. if it is due to this accident that he had at the Met stage, that is horrible. And I wonder if there's pending litigation. Uh, but there's there's other talk about what actually happened or what might have actually happened to Marius Kavichin. Whatever the case is, when he was in his prime and he would still be in his prime um, right now, Uh, a very dynamic performer, beautiful actor, a very handsome tone, great for Cavalier baritone roles like Don Giovanni and Eugene Onegin. And especially with his, you know, Slavic roots, Eugene Onegin fit him like a glove. And he was beginning to champion, uh, you know, Polish works. And we were, Supposed to hear in Chicago, see, I think Cole Roger, whatever how you would call that. Cole Roger, it, ne- yeah. it never happened. But um, yeah, it's it's very sad. And uh, I had a huge crush on Mario Kavichin when he was new on the scene. And then to find out that he was gay made me feel like, oh my God, I have a chance. Like, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a chance, but it just increased the possibility. So um, Mario Kavichin, um, yeah, uh, here's one for your career. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, Last story, of course, to talk about is the Texas Opera Alliance. Some big companies in this Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio. There's other companies in the state of Texas that are not part of the alliance currently, but there's certainly some big kids in there now. It's a great idea, in my opinion, right? Because what we really need in the lack of any sort of like federal plan, whether that is for the coronavirus, whether that is for the supporting of the arts, is to take matters into your own hands and get to work at the state level. 
Taking matters into your own hands. I think that's something Texas could probably do really well. It's definitely <laughs> it's like a whole brand. other country. <laughs> Maybe with holograms. <laughs> <gasps> Bringing it back, Matt. Good job. Um, I yeah. I mean, everything's bigger in Texas. They're you know in in mass and gross domestic product. They're one of the biggest states in the union. This is wonderful. It is unsurprising. I wish other large populous states would do something kind of similar since we're not going to get stuff on a federal level, it seems. Uh, but I am, I am excited to see, I, you know what I'm actually really excited about? I want to see what the logo is that they come up with because it's probably going to have some big old star. It's probably going to be red, <laughs> white, and blue. I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting. It, whether or not it has steer horns is to be determined. As long as they incorporate just kidding, Texas, a, I love you. as long as they incorporate a hologram, I'm happy with it. And these are also companies who are, like, not just sitting back and letting the art form of opera happen to them. Like, these are companies who are on the vanguard of trying to figure out what the art form can do next. And so we're, you know, we're happy to be along for the ride. All right. Let's wrap this show up. Good call. Bad call. On Opera Box Score. Good call. Bad call to take you home and to wrap this show up tonight. Ashley Hardgrave, what's on your mind? Well, this is a good call that's only for me, but uh, when you mentioned your fantasy team, I checked mine, and I am creaming my opponent this week. It is awesome. Three of my players, my biggest high-dollar players, were uh, playing in Monday Night Football, so yay yay me. Yay my fantasy team. But more important than anything else, uh, if you're in America, if you're sympathetic to an American, if you know an American, hug them. If you are an American, check your voter registration. October 5th is the deadline for a lot of places to register, but there's so many more to go. Apply to be a poll worker. Help us get out of this hellscape 2020. Weston Williams. Oh, you know I'm all about Opera Week at the Met. The the live streams this week, it's all Wagner all the time, baby. We had Tristan today. Uh, we're going to have Tom Heuser tomorrow. And by the time this actually goes up, you guys can see Rheingold, Valkyra, Siegfried, Goethe, Demerung. You're welcome. Matt Cummings. Uh, while we're on the subject of Lincoln Center, their YouTube channel this week posted a really incredibly powerful video uh, called Vigil that was created by a bass baritone, Devon Taylor, a- along with Matthew O'Coin and a number of other uh, creative uh, a, a, number, a number of other creatives that's dedicated to the memory of Brianna Taylor. It is a combination meditation slash performance art piece. I watched it this evening getting ready for the show and was gutted by how powerful it is. Hmm. Say the name Brianna Taylor. We need to keep speaking her name to get justice for her. And please help promote this video and watch it because it's worth your time. Oliver Camacho. Wow. Uh, how to follow that? Well, one really great news for a friend of the show, Jakob Josef Orlinski. Uh, he was named by Openwelt magazine as Singer of the Year Ooh. for his performance at the Badisches Staatstheater Karlsruhe in Handel's Tomoleo. Does that so mean we're going to get, uh, we're going to be podcast of the year this year? <laughs> and another one. Uh, I thought in, we already were. <laughs> in tribute to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Christine Gerke sang on the steps of Lincoln Center. She sang Abschuldiger with a piano. And it is badass. Uh, that's such a hard aria. I can't imagine how hard it is to sing in open air without the acoustic and with the piano. Um, she really brought it. It's fire. That's a rage art we should have included. Yeah. But she she does a great job. So Christine Gerke, if you listen to this, it was perfect. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Our announcer is Norm Waddell at normwaddell.com, N-O-R-M-W-O-O-D-E-L.com. 
Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Opera Box Score. And this podcast version of our show is available wherever you get your pods. The views and opinions expressed on Opera Box Score are solely those of the show's creative team. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of the accounts of this show without the express written consent of Opera Box Score would be totally cool. The creative consultant of Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For your co-hosts, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Ashley Hardgrave, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera wearing your damn mask, people. We're back with an all-new show Wednesday, October 14, where you get more opera headlines, more hot takes, more fantasy updates. Join us. <laughs>